Why won't you let me have your rib? It's just one rib. Why won't you let me eat a part of your body? You know what's less invasive than that? Brushing someone's hair and then keeping their hair with them. That's a piece of them. Yeah. You don't, it doesn't need to be a toe. It's just, it freaked me out. Or a rib bone. I think he wanted to cook it. Probably. It's fine. I'm fine. We're all fine. Everything's okay. Welcome to the podcast. Interesting but boring. Hello. Right when I right when I push record. Okay. Let's record. I still gotta make dinner. Okay. Recording? Yes. Is your thing on? My metronome, yeah. Yeah. It's on or it's off? It's it's off. <laughs> okay. Yes, it's on. I wanna keep track of my beats when I speak. <laughs> Great. Um <laughs> Uh, well, hello, best friend. Hi, best friend. Um, and hello, listeners. Welcome to I'm on Fire. This is the random fun fact podcast where we're random, we're fun, and we're sometimes factual. I'm Arissa, and I'm in Nebraska. And I'm Chloe, and I'm in California. And we've been talking for an hour. Yeah. Oops. It happens. Very regularly. Um... And today we are going to be talking about topics in psychology. And then stay tuned for next week when we apply those topics to a situation in real life or fictional life. Yes. But we'll apply them. We're going to apply them somewhere. Yep. Don't know where, but it'll be somewhere. They will be applied. <laughs> uh, paranormal is before this. And I went first for that one. Okay, so I go first? Yes. Okay. So I'm kind of a piece of shit, and uh, I did my research late last night, and I didn't feel like putting that much effort into it, so I didn't. That'll be perfect, because it'll probably be a short one. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be talking about mind control. Mind. Specifically with, I tried to make it not with cults, but like the easiest thing to do is make it with cults. Yeah. And I wanted to uh, go like in depth on like everything cults do in order to get people to follow them. Um, And that's, that's kind of a long topic. So I'm going to do... For this one, straight up mind control, and then the next one, I'll actually put the work in and do uh, cults. So here we go. So I found my information. Um, I found an article that says 10 things to know about the psychology of cults from onlinepsychologydegree.org, Wikipedia, and then my brain, because this is something I really enjoy listening to and... uh, already know way too much about by the way i need to get jack to watch the following with me yes you do because he hasn't seen it yet and i want to rewatch it partially because kevin bacon yeah that show is really good fantastic show yeah yeah it's so good is it still on netflix 
I think so. Um, let's look. Oh, the moved. It's on iTunes, Fandango now, and Vudu. Lame. Yeah. Either way, yeah, it has a uh, James Purefoy in it, and I'm a sucker for him as well. So I'm a huge sucker for Kevin Bacon. Let us know in the review section who you're a sucker for. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. Maybe we can talk about this at the end, but have you heard about the crap going on with Army Hammer? Arm and Hammer, like the company? <laughs> no, like Army Hammer, like the actor. Where do I know him from? Um, have you seen The Man from Uncle? No. Have you seen The Social Network? Yes. Okay. He's in that, but also. If you've been on Netflix recently and seen the trailer for Rebecca, he's the he's the guy in that. I'm Googling him. Yeah, I guess the only thing I've seen him in is Social Network. Yeah, either way, he's apparently a major creep, and it's really messing with me. Like, how big of a creep? Like, he... I don't remember the name for it. Hold on, I need to look it up. Because he is a vorophiliac or vorophiliac anyway he gets turned on like jeffrey dahmer got turned on with the eating of humans oh is he the one that's like i'm into blood i want to drink your blood stuff like that well okay so i haven't heard that and it might be him but the one thing that i read is that he wanted to take out one of his girlfriend's rib bones barbecue it and eat it and he also allegedly this is all alleged because it hasn't been proven and he says it's a lie but he also apparently asked one girl he was dating to like if she would cut off her toe so that he could keep it like in his pocket so that he always had a piece of her with him and like he is apparently like really emotionally abusive in that way it's like it blew my mind I I read it at work the other day he says they're not true and whatever and stuff but i'm just i'm just picturing him getting in a fight with his significant other like how most people do like i want you to put away the dishes like he's like why won't you put like cut your toe off i don't understand why you won't cut your toe why won't you let me have your rib why won't you let me eat a part of your body it's just one rib you know what's less invasive than that Brushing someone's hair and then keeping their hair with yeah. them. That's a piece of them. It's just, it freaks me it out. It doesn't need to be a toe. I think he wanted to bone. I mean, he definitely Probably. wanted to cut the rib bone, but. I yeah. mean, rib meets some choice meat. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I needed to get that out because no one I know knows who he is other than Preston. And he doesn't really care about this kind of stuff. Yeah, I saw some, like, messages, and it's it was a celebrity that everybody on TikTok's been talking about, but I didn't know who he was, and I didn't care enough to look it up. I, I'm sure it's probably him, but it's, like, something along the lines of, like, I want to drink your blood, like, I want to... Actually, I think one of them was, I want to cut your toe off and keep it with me. Oh, yeah, it's definitely him then. And it makes me really sad, because I really like him. <laughs> I mean, sometimes the weird ones are uh, the most creative. Well, and, like, it makes me sad because 
in The Man from Uncle, he worked with Henry Cavill. And all I can think about is like Henry finding out about it and being sad. Oh. Because it makes me sad. (laughs) That's like when someone you know commits a crime and like, like there was a big thing on, I think it was Glee. Someone recently uh, was found dead. She, the no, the, not her. Oh, are you talking about the pedophile? That was, yeah, yeah, the guy, the faux hawk guy. Yeah, apparently, like there was there was a ton of child pornography on his laptop. Yeah, um, but a lot of the co stars just aren't really, like, coming out and talking about it. And one of them did, the blonde one, like, mm. the stupid one. The cheerleader? In Glee. Maybe? Not the lead one, but the dumb one. Oh, okay. That was dating the one that died. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, In the show, I'm sorry, I don't know their, like, actual names. I don't watch the show or... Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> ...know the people. I just know what I've heard. I just but know the crime surrounding he... them. <laughs> I don't like crime at all. But, yeah, apparently she came out and was like, like, he was still my friend, and I can still be sad at the loss of my friend and, like, upset that my friend is in jail because mm-hmm. I didn't know him as a pedophile. I knew him as my friend from the show that we worked on for so many years together. Yeah. It's just crazy because, like, you know, especially in that situation, like, you work with someone for so long, and then you find out, and it's just, like, you f- you feel like you don't know that person at all, and then it's, like, I don't know. Yeah. It's always that thing, like, oh, he could never do that. Mm-hmm. Like, Ted Bundy, everybody said, like, oh, no, he could never do that, and then all of a sudden, like, I think you should look into mm-hmm. my boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Teddy. Anyway, yeah. so mind control. Sorry, yeah, that was control. a tangent. <laughs> it was a good one, though. It, it'll make our episode slightly longer. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so um, mind control, by definition, is the process by which individual or collective... Seriously? Ruben. <laughs> Mauser. Get out. Get out. Ruben, get out. Get out. He's now stalking me. (laughs) He's so naughty. You gotta be quiet. Okay. Once again, mind control by definition. (laughs) Listen, guys. We're trying to do a thing. I need you to be quiet. Hey. So mind control. Mind control. I see tech just got up. Mind control is the process by which individual or collective freedom of choice and action is compromised by agents or agencies that modify 
or distort perception, motivation, affect cognition and or behavioral outcomes. And how they do this is, uh, so the article I read had four, one, two, three, four different things. And then I added uh, three different things off of the top of my head that I knew just because I researched this pretty regularly. So the first thing that they like to do is uh, self-incrimination. And that's when they want to cleanse their follower of their sins and their shortcomings. And they'll have the uh, follower like write them a letter or record what they've done in the past, like mistakes they've made, bad things, things that they're shameful of. They'll put it in some kind of documentation and give it to their leader so that the leader will make them feel better about it and say, oh like, okay, like, I will take these from you. You'll no longer have them. But then also the leader can use it in the future. Uh, yeah, or, against him in the future. Yeah. So, like, that's when he'll ask, like, what's your biggest secret? Like, right. Tell me some, basically, give me some stuff that I can use on you for, for blackmail later. Yeah. So then that's when public humiliation comes in to play. Um, and this is also, uh, it's in order to maintain emotional control over the follower. Um, oftentimes, they will uh, subject the follower to public humiliation. A lot of the times they'll have the person in a room full of their peers and then their peers will yell insults at them, yell things that they feel insecure about them themselves and um, basically just make them feel bad about themselves in public. And so this helps by making the individual who's getting yelled at feel like absolute crap so that they'll want to follow somebody who will make them feel better about that. But it also gets out a lot of the pent up aggression that the people yelling at that person feel oh, before they're into that situation. Yeah. So then they're less angry. They feel cleansed and kind of restored afterwards, which then it's like a cathartic experience. Like, I just had this great experience because of this person. And so then it makes them want to follow that person even more. And then also um, it makes the person who's getting yelled at feel worthless and want them to follow somebody who's worthy in order mm -hmm. to make themselves more worthy. So then comes brainwashing, and this is when the leader will subject the follower uh, to repeated lies and distorted truths in order to make it more difficult for the individual to distinguish between reality and what the leader wants. Um, so with this, a lot of the time, um, this is when like a cult leader would put in their own scripture, mm -hmm. like, let's follow the spaghetti god or the aliens that are coming down here or you need to study all of my writings mm -hmm. and all of the craziness in my writings basically just making it so that they believe more of what the fault or what the leader is trying to tell them instead of what other people are trying to tell them right so then the last thing the or article had was paranoia and this is when the leader tries to convince the follower that someone or something is out to get them and that the only way to ensure their safety is to stay with the leader. So this is oftentimes seen as 
Like your friends and family are out to get you. They hate you. They do not want what's best for you. The police are constantly following you. They don't know what's best for you. You're going to get hurt, all of that kind of stuff. If you stay with me, I'll keep you safe. So then a lot of people think that this could never happen to me. I think too much for this. And so there are three things that a leader tries to do in order to make you more controllable. And that's to starve you, to make you exhausted slash sleep deprivation, and making you dependent on the leader. So with starvation, um, when people are hungry, they're easier to control because you can control them by rewarding them with food. This is why we often see cults uh, make their followers be vegetarians. It's because these people who have never been vegetarians before are now all of a sudden forced to be on a vegetarian diet. They have no idea how to be on a vegetarian diet. They can't get their nutrients they need, and they're essentially starving themselves. Right. So then they can be rewarded with a slice of chocolate cake. Or they don't reward with meat, but usually it's like juice or cake or cookies or chocolate, like something sweet that their bodies will be like, oh, my God. Exactly, yeah. So, So then due to hunger and due to delirium, because of the hunger, they're easier to control and more likely to follow. So the next thing is sleep deprivation slash exhaustion. Um, Oftentimes, leaders will try to make their followers uh, do like massive amounts of homework or participate in group exercises that basically make them exhausted and tired. Uh, So a lot of the cults I listen to, there's a podcast. It's called Cults. Highly recommend it. They just talk about cults. It's fantastic. But a lot of the times they will like... If they're in an encampment, mm-hmm. they'll play like over loudspeakers random times, like just randomly throughout the day, they'll play music or they'll make people stay up late and study their scriptures or their writings or whatever and memorize them so that they can't go to sleep because they have to have so much memorized by the next mm-hmm. day. Um, and then another big one is group exercises. So you wake up at like four in the morning, do your exercises, go do the gardening and put up houses and stuff like that. And then you exercise some more. And then when you finally get to bed, you go to bed for like 10 to four in the morning, wake up, do it all again. Right. Um, And then a lot of the times they'll also do like hazing in the middle of the night with newcomers where they'll wake you up in the middle of the night, make you do some things and then go back to bed. And then you're extra exhausted. Right. So then when you're tired, you're easier to control and easier to manipulate because You'll basically do anything in order to sleep, but also you're delirious because you're sleep deprived. So then the last thing they'll do is uh, make sure that you're dependent on them. And they'll do this by requiring followers to relinquish everything that they have in their lives. They have to give up friends, families, careers, anything and everything that's outside of the cause or what the leader wants them to do. So a lot of the times they have to say, like, you can you have to cut ties with all of your family and your friends. You can't see any of them anymore unless it's to get them into our group. Mm-hmm. Any yep. money you make has yeah, to be. Yep. Any money you make has to be donated to the group 
You can't have any worldly possessions. We will give you everything that you need. And that in return, you will give us everything that you have. Mm-hmm. So then they can't leave because they have nowhere to go. They have no family or friends. They've been told that they're worthless and that their friends and family hate them and are out to get them. So if they do leave, they have no one to go to. They have no houses, no homes, no savings. Um, and then another thing is they can't contact their friends and family to help them out mm-hmm. because they've already cut ties with them. And anything that they, if they try to send a letter or something, it's going to get intercepted by someone else in the cult. They were oftentimes uh, told to spy on each other. Right. Stuff like that. And yeah, that's uh, how to get people under mind control. Yeah. Get them to do what you want. A lot of it, too, is like, and I think we talked about this in our one of our very first podcasts when you talked about a cult was just like finding people who are already in a vulnerable state. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if you think about hypnosis, um, which I understand is different than mind control, but if basically with hypnosis is you kind of have to want to be hypnotized. Yeah, you have to be open to the idea. Right. And so with these people who are brainwashing other people, they would find people. I mean, it was kind of like a symbiotic thing because people who were searching for something would find these people who would then take advantage of them or vice versa. Yeah. So I feel like, especially in cults, that plays a large role. Yeah. Again, not going into cult activity, though, mm-hmm. just going into the mind cult, mind control aspect. So I hope in one of our future uh, psych episodes, I'll go into more of the psychology of cults. But I thought mind control was kind of one of the big overall points mm-hmm. in cults. So I figured I'd just do an episode by itself. Plus, I didn't want to research for cults. So that's fine. Yeah. Um, And I think next week I'm going to talk about Jonestown because they're pretty well known for mind control activity. Yeah, I'd be down. For my topic, I'm going to talk about false memories and I don't have an idea of what I'm going to apply it to next week, but I just thought this was kind of interesting. Basically, false memories refers to cases where people remember events differently or, in extreme cases, remember events that never even happened. Um, they're false. Is this like, um, I just saw one the other day, like Fruit Loops spelled F-R-O-O-T spelled F-R-U-I-T? Um, so that's like the Mandela effect, and it's yeah similar. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um. And maybe I can talk about the Mandela effect a little bit in next week's episode, depending on what I pick. But it's a similar idea. The Mandela effect doesn't really have, like, the factors that goes into, like, creating a false memory. But Okay. I think it it would be really fun to do, like, just an episode itself on the Mandela effect because there are so many things. Yeah, I agree. Go into it. And it's one of my favorite topics. Yeah, it's crazy, like, dude. There's a conspiracy theory that we do not live in the same timeline as we did in 2008. Like, we've completely switched worlds. We're in a different world. And now they believe, like, the pandemic started in our other world. And, like, 
or before the pandemic and we've changed worlds and now we're no longer in the pandemic and like it's a conspiracy theory but hmm. it's based on the mandela effect interesting like the the mandela effect is because we are no longer in the same timeline that we originally were right and that's why there's no record of certain things that really we cool. remember i think we should yeah. do an episode on the mandela effect. i agree i agree yeah Okay, so these false memories can be held up with great confidence, and it can be really hard to convince the person that what they're remembering or what they think they remember is not actually true. And like I said before, there are several factors that can play into creating a false memory. And I got the information for this stuff from scholarpedia.org. It's the false memory entry. Um, which I think I talked a little bit about false memories in my last psych episode uh, with Bolia Do. Yeah, so I don't remember, but I could be creating a false memory anyway. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so there's a couple factors that goes into creating a false memory, and all of these factors that I'm going to talk about have had experiments conducted to figure out like if it's possible if this is actually what like what happens so the first one is inaccurate um, perception which is pretty like across the board most people have this and it's basically when an event happens and the memory is being encoded um, you're not really like perceiving it as it's actually happening you're having outside factors affect it. Um, like an example to this would be when an eyewitness to a crime is trying to like identify the perpetrator, but they only saw them briefly. And so with all the outside stimulus, it kind of warps their perception of that person in their memory. And so they have a harder time describing that person. So, so kind of like with uh, the Unabomber, how the original picture drawn and then they had the person go back and the next time the uh, Unabomber was drawn, uh, she basically, I think the uh, sketch ended up being pretty close to the officer who drew the original picture. Yeah, so that actually, um, there's another like, factor that I'll talk about that's a little bit more close to that situation. But this is basically just, like, you're seeing something happen, but you're not perceiving it right. Is basically the easiest way to describe it. So then the next one is inferences, which is kind of like what you were talking about. It's applying prior knowledge to a situation and using that to interpret the event that's happening. So like an example of this is when, never mind, this is not the one that applies to what you were talking about. Anyway, so this is basically when someone has read a list of words and they're told to remember them and they're so close to, like the words all kind of have the same blanket meaning or they're very similar words. And so then they add a word to it. So like if the list was bed, rest, awake, tired, dream, wake, snooze, blanket, doze, slumber, etc., 
oftentimes when the person is told to like repeat the list or like name words from the list, they add the word sleep. But the word sleep was never actually on the list. Oh, okay. It also applies to non-semantic details because people basically always attribute more meaning to things that they can actually like perceive or hear or whatever. And so like an example is people deal with money and stuff all the time. I mean, in your lifetime, you've probably picked up a penny a million times, but most people can't remember which way Lincoln is facing on a penny. So that's kind of like the non-semantic version of that. So the next factor is interference, which is when an event occurs after the original memory is formed and it kind of just warps your original memory. So like describing someone's face makes it harder for a person to identify that person. So like if you see them and then someone tells you what that person looks like, for whatever reason, you have a harder time picking the right person out of like a lineup. So one thing that was really cool and like a lot of people were talking about as far as like interference goes is they would show these people like a video of a car accident and say there's like a red car and a blue car or whatever. And in the video, there's the blue car and a yield sign. And that's basically like the main two factors in this video. And then so they watch it and the researcher will come over and say something along the lines of, um, did another car pass the blue car while it was at the stop sign? So they're basically implanting like false information. So then they forget like it was a yield sign and then they're absolutely certain, no, it was a stop sign. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm not explaining this very well. But that one was really interesting to me because it's basically like the power of suggestion. Like you could go through an event and know everything that happens and then your friend's like, oh, don't you remember like when you were walking down that street and that um, labradoodle was coming up it was so cute and you remember like a Burmese mountain dog or something Mm -hmm. but then you're kind of like well yeah yeah no that labradoodle like you don't really remember and then it's kind of encoded that it was a labradoodle when it was actually a Burmese mountain dog yeah so I'm sorry to correct you but it's a Burmese what with an n oh sorry Burmese mountain dog yeah Bernie's the um, Python. Oh. Um, also, that kind of happened to me. Hopefully, it's close to the same thing. When I was over at Abby's visiting her and her puppy, she asked me when she should get her puppy spayed. And I was like, you should do it before her first doggy period. I'm like shouting. There we go. You should do it before her per- first period because it reduces her chance of cancer. Mm-hmm. And then her friend was in the room with me and said, like, no, I did extensive research on this, like, before I got my dog, and you have to spay them after their first period because other it reduces their chance of cancer. And, like, I've been in the dog industry for 
a very long time, but he would he took such a strong stance mm-hmm. against me and was so positive. And I was just like, am I wrong? And so I texted right. Alicia. I wasn't wrong. No, you're yeah, not you're totally. For a first puppy period, unless you have a giant breed. But I texted Alicia just to be sure. And like, she gave me a ton of facts. And so then I just texted Abby and I was like, I didn't want to bring it up in front of your friend, but I am correct. I don't want the topic to come up again. But spay your dog before her first period. Yeah. Here's all the facts. But just like he he took such a strong stance against me that it made me doubt my years of experience in the industry. Right. Which makes me curious where he was getting his research from or if it had been like a similar situation for him where someone was like, no, 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 you really should wait until after they go into heat. Yeah. So... It's it's kind of crazy, like, the power of suggestion, and I don't know if it's necessarily the same thing in that situation, because it's sometimes, like, you think you know you're right, and then someone with, like, a powerful, like, personality comes in, and they're just like, no, it's actually this, and then you kind of just give up, because you're like, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to think that, like, you could just, like, suggest something or, like, try to tell someone something different than what happened, and then they actually start to remember it the false way. hmm And, like, the power of suggestion is kind of crazy because they can also kind of implant memories that didn't happen. So, like, they can start to make people believe that, like, for instance, they were left in a shopping mall when they were five years old and they were they were scared and they were crying and they were eventually saved by an old person and returned to their family. And it never actually happened to them, but they feel like they have memory of it. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> Another thing, and this is the one that I think is most like your example from the Unabomber, is just similarity. No. It's not. It's the last one. I'm sorry. But similarity is another factor. And it's basically exposure to similar events creates illusory memories. So, like, if if you see, like, okay, for example, I know I keep using, like, witness accounts or whatever, but that's usually what these false memories are, like, researched for, is... Say you see someone breaking into a car and he's tall and he has dark hair and strong facial features. And then you tell them that and you put them all in their lineup and you pick this guy because he matches all the things that you think you remember. And then he goes to jail forever. But later on down the down the line, another man gets arrested and he confesses to the original crime. And he actually knows things about the crime that the other person didn't know, X, Y, and Z. And so he is actually the one that you saw. But because they're so similar, you weren't able to, like, really remember, oh, the guy I picked out of the lineup actually wasn't the guy that I saw, Mm -hmm. like, breaking into the car or whatever. And the last one, which is, I think, one thing that, like, probably happens to me more than all the other ones is like misattributions of familiarity. And the main study that was done about this one is called the false fame effect. And they would take like a list of names of 
non-famous people, just like random names. And they would give it to this person. They would read them over. They would send them home. And then the next day, they would give them a larger list with some of the names from the original list. And then they would throw in like actually famous people and then a couple random names that weren't famous people. But when they were asked, hey, who on here is famous, they would more often pick the people from the original list because they had read their names before and therefore they Hmm. were like familiar to them. And so they're like, oh, yeah, I know so-and-so is like famous. Interesting. Yeah. And so I think this kind of happens to me. Um, Not kind of in this context, but like I'll remember something and apply it to something else and they have nothing to do with each other. I don't have an example, but I feel like I've I've done it before. Yeah. But yeah, basically the brain is intense and none of our memories are real. (laughs) Nothing is real. We are in a simulation. You well, and like you never no one has a memory where they remember everything exactly as it happened. And that's why witness accounts aren't strong enough to convict someone on something alone because people are just unreliable that way. And there's all of these factors that could come into play between when the person saw a crime happen and when they were interviewed about it. Mm-hmm. But there's, I don't think there's a single person who has a memory who can remember everything exactly as it happened without having outside factors affect it. Mm-hmm. So, like, it could be very little things of, like, I was driving down the street, and remember when that yellow car almost hit us, and then everybody else is like, no, it was red, or it was a blue car, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's so crazy to think about. But, yeah, that's a very, like, scratching the surface on false memory, but. Okay, here's here's another hopefully potential example in the office. Stanley's mustache. Yeah. Yeah, people can't remember if he has a mustache or not. Yeah. But, like, it's somebody that they've seen every single day, and then all of a sudden, someone goes, he doesn't have a mustache, and then everybody was confused about the fact that, like, did he have a mustache or didn't he? Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Because the other thing, too, is, like, um... You're processing so much stuff all at once, and that's why, like, you're not always perceiving things as it's actually happening. So, like, you can record everything that's happening in your life, and then you can, like, tell someone all about your day and exactly what happened, and then go back and watch the video, and half the stuff would probably be wrong. Or, like, there would be little things that you forgot or, like, missed or whatever, and it's so crazy Hmm. i'm looking up fun facts about psychology i'm not seeing anything better than the first one that i saw so uh that was really fun we should do psych more often i like psych i agree i hope i explained this right and there's not like i didn't understand it because once again i am dumber now than i was a month ago but i don't um, think we reported that part Oh, no, I was just saying that for your benefit. <laughs> oh. But. Well, I mean, this is a podcast where we're only sometimes factual, so. That's fair. There's a disclaimer in our intro. All right, so here is a fun fact. 
people are genetic, not genetically, are generally more honest when physically tired. This is why people confess things during late night conversations. Oh, no. (laughs) Also, they're easier to mind control when tired. Exactly. You don't have to make me tired to confess things, though. I'm an overshare, so. Yeah, me too. I don't have a filter. I need to work on that at work. I feel like I talk too much crap about people in front of other people who don't know me, who know that I don't mean any of it, but. Yeah. I need to learn how to control my facial features because I've learned to keep my mouth shut because as soon as I open it, I'm going to say something stupid. Yeah. But my facial features, like, if I think you're saying something stupid or if you say something, because I'm a server, people say stupid things to me constantly and I can't control my face and I just, like, make a, like, look at them Mm -hmm. and they, like, know that I think that they're dumb. My mom has that really bad. Oh, I'm so bad at it. Or, like, when I'm trying a new wine and, like, I I do not enjoy a soft blanc and, like, I'll have a soft blanc and I'm, like, making an awful face and they're, like, is it that bad? I'm, like, for me, yes. Yeah. And, like, I try so hard to control it and I can't. <laughs> Hopefully I can find something to apply false memories to other than witnesses to crimes i mean we you can or if you don't don't i mean i probably won't be able to because that's i mean yeah that's gonna be like the most common i'm gonna have to like dig around a ton if i want to find something different and i don't want to do that yeah so yeah uh listen next week for part two of psych where we find a way to apply the things that we just excuse me talked about um and if you listen to last week's episode we did a paranormal episode which was i think it turned out really great it was really fun i had a, lot a little of depressing but yeah yours was real downer yeah we really should have have ended with mine but it's fine <laughs> it's a good one uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, make sure you give us a rating and a review wherever you're listening. And follow us on Instagram at I'm on Fire the Pod. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, best friend. Bye, best friend.